This is Mainspring Family Wellness, where transformation takes root. This podcast is for parents pursuing both personal growth and family wellness. We will cover relevant topics that help us reflect, make educated choices, and parent effectively. My name is Kristen Perlmutter. I'm an educator, a philanthropist, and a mother of three who is passionate about personal growth and seeing families at their optimal wellness. And I'm Dr. Jenna Flowers, a marriage and family therapist, author of The Conscious Parents Guide to Co-Parenting, speaker, and mother of three. Well, welcome to Mainspring Family Wellness, um, the podcast. I'm Dr. Jenna Flowers, and my co-host, Kristen Perlmutter, our executive director. And we're here today with uh, Lisa Morris, who is a certified Riso Hudson Enneagram instructor and coach. Lisa has over 17 years of experience teaching the Enneagram locally and at colleges and international conferences, as well as coaching executives, management teams, and individuals. And we have had uh, the privilege over the last year to be working with Lisa at Mainspring as we had our first Enneagram study group, which was a huge success. We did a 10-month study group, and uh, we brought Lisa back because... We were so enthralled. We more. We want more. We were so enthralled with the Enneagram this past year, and people had so much growth that we want to create an advanced class. And so, this podcast today is really about uh, going beyond the basics of the Enneagram and deepening in our understanding and how that understanding can really enrich your life uh, personally. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, hello, Lisa. <laughs> Hello, and thank you for having me. <laughs> so we know we have Lisa back. We can talk a little more about the advanced class and what people will be uh, learning further. Yeah. And also, what is the process to advance oneself with, with learning uh, the Enneagram further? So uh, Lisa, maybe you can share with us a little more about, you know, how in, we had discussed so many millennials are really picking up on the Enneagram and, and wanting to learn more. And many people um, are just kind of catching fire to it. So what are the benefits of really studying the Enneagram over time? Yeah, thank you. That's a really good question. Um, the, when I first started studying the Enneagram, I was really surprised at the depth of it, uh, how comprehensive it is. I began to recognize Uh, not just myself and my patterns, but the patterns of my friends and my family. And it was such a revelation to me. Um, And as I studied it over time, I began to realize, you know, this is one of the most thorough and comprehensive ways that one can understand themselves and other people. You know, you hear about spiritual leaders Uh, charismatic people who hurt their followers because they haven't done the work of understanding their motivations, of understanding their personality type. They do something that we in the Enneagram circles call uh, the spiritual bypass. So it's people who perhaps don't understand their motives or hidden agendas and what are their greatest strengths and weaknesses. And this work is foundational because it tells you all of those things. Um, It is detailed. It's incredibly rich, but because it's detailed, it takes time to learn it. And so that's why when I talk about the advanced class, 
um, I get pretty enthusiastic because it's a way for people, once they have the foundation, then they start to be able to really dig in, really understand what is motivating themselves and other people. Um, so I like to refer to this class as the experiential Enneagram. You know, Lisa, I think too that um, the Enneagram really gives you language for your shadow side mm. in, a, in, in a normalizing way where um, it's not shrouded in the shame that oftentimes people have when they have to take a deeper cut on parts of themselves that they don't like. Mm -hmm. And so what I found with just even our basic Enneagram class is that all of a sudden we had this languaging for these aspects of ourselves that sometimes we just want to cut off from. We don't, we don't want to look at and, and sit with, but because there's these universal truths that you find in the Enneagram, it was really, um, yeah, it was kind of brought with more compassion mm -hmm. and, and normalization of like, this is just really normal for your type, <laughs> which I really yes. appreciated. Yeah. Because then I felt like I could sit with it and go, oh, all right. So this isn't something I have to be really ashamed about, but there is, there is a, a way to help with this aspect of myself. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought was so well, and it's yeah, it's, it's, it's universal. Every type has great strengths and they also have uh, weaknesses there. There are many things that we just don't have conscious awareness of. And so when you're in a group that's supportive and kind, where over time you begin to feel safe, then you can start to relax some of, of your defense mechanisms. Um, and those are there for a reason. And they're powerful and they're helpful, but they can also hold us back. So when we're in a situation where we understand that, oh, I'm not the only one with this, then that helps people to feel, as you've suggested, a, a certain amount of, of this is kind of normal. Mm -hmm. um, that this we're living. Uh, with the certainty of death and with the existential fear of it, um, which just right out the gate, that makes it hard for human beings. And we also have, if you, you know, think about the ego, it's kind of like a giant defense mechanism against everything that could hurt us. And it's powerful in that sense. And it helps us. Um, but it has limitations. So when we are able to come together and recognize, okay, all of us here have these great strengths and also these areas that we need to focus on in a way that is kind and nurturing, then there's real power in that. And I think that encourages people to develop more self-compassion and, and, and finally self-mastery. Do you think there's a good example that you could pull from right now to give our audience, a, you know, a piece of what we're talking about? Oh, examples of, of uh, how, how that leading edge moves us forward. Yeah. Yeah. So, for example, if, if you don't know, and I'll use my own type just because it's easy. Uh, if you don't know, if you're a seven, that you're actually running from your fear. It feels like what you're doing is, is you're moving towards things that are exciting. And so there's this propensity to get 
uh, caught up in movement and trajectory and it has a life of its own. And then you're overdoing, you're overstimulated, you are over distracted and you're less available to people. And that's an example of a big wake up call for the seven. I did not know I was doing that. And I'd had people tell me that. And I was like, no, I don't do that. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of do. And uh, what would be more skillful? Well, for the seven, little by little is can I stay with my discomfort? Can I, you know, just put my toe in the water? Um, And then over time, then it becomes a little bit easier. And then I'm recognizing, oh, um, I'm kind of creating an environment where, you know, things like my friends, the six who are right next door, they're seeing it up front. I'm burying this idea of fear. And if I just say, okay, you know, yeah, I'm nervous. um, Then all of a sudden it kind of relaxes. And then I'm more capable of being present with those with whom I'm interacting and with myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great example. Something that I got out of the um, Enneagram class more than I was expecting, obviously a deeper understanding of self, but I just um, started to really understand why I'm triggered by certain people and certain types and um, yes, where that stems <laughs> So I, I think that's such an amazing takeaway from the class. And I was just wondering if you could speak a little more about how the Enneagram helps you understand others a little more deeply and why you might be triggered by certain people. Yeah, that's also a really good question. Um, I really like the Enneagram for its ability to generate insight um, and especially what's motivating people at the sub and unconscious level, because it often comes back to uh, unfulfilled desires and a basic fear. And once you understand uh, that people who trigger you are reacting to their own fear and their their own sense of, of lack and a desire to protect right off the bat, I think that can help you. Uh, and it's also good to notice your own reaction to it. A lot of times what we do in the Enneagram, and it takes a long time, is to the wake up call. It's like, oh, here's this pattern. It's happening over and over again. And especially with this type of personality type, they really set me off. And often it'll be somebody that's um, in opposition to your type. For example, my type, it's the ones of the Enneagram. When I first uh, was involved with the material, I was like, well, why are they so uptight? Can't they just enjoy themselves? I mean, come on. And, and then I began to realize, oh no, for them, there is a real desire to be of service and to get things right. And that they see things at a, at a higher level of how can I really be of service? How can I bring this sense of this vision of what's possible to the world? And so once I recognize that, and then the biggest fear of the one that somehow I'm evil or I'm corrupt or I'm just bad, who hasn't felt that at one juncture or another in their lives? And so then there's compassion and there's a certain amount of understanding. 
that goes along with that. Um, and then in this class, what I really want to talk about is how do you communicate with different types so that they hear you? Because sometimes you use your languaging. My languaging is, for a one, can be off-putting. <laughs> In the beginning, there was this one who was just like, why were you like this? You know, because it just wasn't right. And um, over time, as we're sitting together, then we both sort of got a sense of, oh, we're different when we're, when we're connected to our physical body and when we're more present and more available to each other. And then I become more grounded and she became less critical. Hmm. Yeah. You know, let's talk about a couple more of the topics that you're going to cover in the class um, that make it different. Yeah. What do you foresee that you're going to be teaching over the 10? And it's, uh, it is 10 classes still, but we're going to be meeting um, about every other week, sometimes once a month when there's holidays too. So we'll be starting mm -hmm. in October and I believe finishing in March. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the topics are really rich and varied. Um, we, we ended our last session with the Enneagram of early childhood and it's, it's really powerful, but you can't start with it because it's, it's a, a, a point of vulnerability and people need to understand themselves and they need to get a, um, a sense of grounding. But when we started to do this, I really saw people open up. So we're going to be doing another unit on early childhood and we'll be looking more, especially about the unmet met needs of, of childhood and sometimes the destructive messages that we receive. We take them in as very young children they're not obvious to us, they can be buried very deeply. And so what we wanna do is carefully and gently unpack some of that material um, and acknowledge that our ego is there to help us to cope, but also to study the patterns so that we're more able to relax the patterns that aren't helping us anymore, that are no longer serving us, um, and also engage in what are more skillful types of behaviors. And, and those sometimes come from inner knowledge, from inside. And that's one of the, of the most powerful um, aspects of the Enneagram is, are the insights that come. And some of them are individual and some of them are personality based. And so from there, there's a natural lead in to object relations, which is another really interesting area of childhood development, because it shows us how we relate to other people. The ego does not exist by itself. It exists in relationship to other and so this helpful work really shows us that the people who are closest to us, let's say our partners, our parents, our children, our close friends, um, at a deeply unconscious level, we are expecting them to parent us. We are reacting to the world and to people as though they are our parents. And this is very young kind of thinking. So we're expecting things that maybe 
are valid, but maybe they're not realistic based on who we're with. Is this person able to really um, reinforce in me the sense of my intrinsic value? Or are they a little limited in that capacity? And how do I reinforce my intrinsic value? How do I experience safety, support, and guidance for myself? How am I able to respect, deeply respect myself so that I kind of bring that to the world and then that sort of becomes part of my, uh, how I treat others and then as I change then, my relationship to other people also changes. So we are in effect learning to reparent ourselves um, with the understanding that we are fallible, we are human, you know, um, that this isn't about being perfect, but, but it is a way of, of getting a, a, a much clearer sense of what do I really need and, and, and how can I meet those needs? So in this work, we really want to create safety, satisfaction, and respect, not just for ourselves, uh, but for other people. Um, and then through this, also through the practice of presence, of being embodied, um, then, then we are more available to other people in a healthy way. So those are some of the things that I want to talk about. Um, lifelong lessons. Too. The other, there, there's tons of things that, that, that I will discuss because I, I, we, everybody gets this idea that, oh, the Enneagram, it's all about your shadow and what you need to fix. And it isn't really about fixing anything. It's about learning the material, studying, gaining insight, and then um, your ability to be embodied in presence. Those are really the three steps of the Enneagram. And you, you continue to do that through your life. Yeah. So um, yeah. the other practices, uh, right. very quickly, the other practices that I wanna look at have to do with our strengths. Mm -hmm. You know, what do we bring to the table? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds like a deeper, much deeper understanding of, of who yeah. you are. Um, it's really exciting. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't find it to be like a journey in trying to fix oneself, but more of like maybe softening mm. in some of those areas and finding acceptance. Yeah, I yeah. like that so, word acceptance. So that's so good to, you know, take time, intentional time over you know, another course for someone to really develop a further relationship with, with uh, themselves, you know, and understanding their, their childhood stuff and how, and I think also the limiting beliefs that come up, you mm -hmm. know, that you pick up as mm -hmm. a, be able to correct now as an adult, so what's holding you back. I think so many people, especially um, during the pandemic are, are really searching for that, you know, just sort of like what, where am I, what, who am I, where am I going? What, what is mm -hmm. this about? What does this mean? I mean, the, I think the Enneagram gives a great base, um, to really dive into that, um, self-discovery. 
And I love the idea of continuing, continuing this, this is a thick book. So I can imagine even after this class, there's still more that we can learn from the Enneagram. Maybe, um, Lisa, there, can, there is, yeah. Lisa, can you speak a little more just on, um, mindfulness practice and why you, uh, bring, weave that into your Enneagram teachings? I'm sorry. You, you, um, I, I couldn't quite hear that. It, uh, the sound went out. Can you um, speak a little more about mindfulness practice and why you weave that? Into oh, yeah. Sure. Um, it's great to have uh, the understanding of your personality type. And it's good to get insights. Um, but the brain, let's say, in and of itself, the, the problem solver um, is, is limited. So when we are embodied and present and aware, you get the intelligence of your belly center and your heart center, as well as your head center. So you're, you've got these three centers of intelligence that are working for you and you have more access to them when you are in your physical body. If you're, if you're not here, then the mind is it's either moving ahead or it's spinning a story or it's photoshopping you someplace or it's fixing the past or well, if I had done that or if they'd said that or and none of those things are here. But when we are more present, we have greater access to um, what we need. Um, what's the, a, a skillful way of behaving, what is perhaps a better way of, of expressing ourselves so that people understand us. Um, we're also more capable of accepting setbacks because we're present and accounted for. We're not running away, we're not spinning, we're here. So it's a real powerful practice. And it's one that we can't take for granted. And we can't figure, okay, well, you know, I meditated last week. So that's good enough. It needs to be an ongoing kind of moment by moment practice. Um, so I will want to take some time at the beginning of every session to just center ourselves just a simple centering practice. Wonderful. And then what about conflict resolution? I know that was another topic that you wanted to bring up for the advanced class as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really like this material. Um, I think it's important to give people an understanding of for example, uh, just the, a feedback formula so that you, instead of making things worse, um, you know, you just kind of state the fact, um, you state what happened, and then you offer, I would prefer if. So that's one of the foundations. But then the other one is how do people communicate by type? What are the words that they might tend to use? Um, kind of how, how do they orient themselves? What might you say to other people 
to in fact disarm them, not in a manipulative way, but in a way that is, is uh, more skillful, truthful, um, with a healthy boundary. Because, you know, again, we do want to have compassion, um, but we also need to have a, a good boundary and be clear with people. And sometimes we just don't know. So this gives us more tools and more of an understanding of how would I approach like a, a, a very introverted five without them feeling like I am impinging upon their time. What might I say to that person so that they feel comfortable? Sometimes you, you know, sometimes you, you can't, but you can try. And um, I think you have better luck when, when you, you begin to tune in to temperaments and the differences of those. Because if, if I'm just going around like my seven self and I'm like, you know, well, you should think of it the way I do. Why don't you do this the way I do? That just, people will shut like a door in your face. So we don't want to do that. <laughs> and we also don't want stuff to pile up. On the other hand, you know, like the eights, they just steamroller sometimes when they're not aware. And, you, you, you know, nobody likes to be steamrollered. At ones, they tend to tell you what you're doing wrong. And nobody likes that. Um, so, you know, we can find out what, what are our propensities and uh, how can we perhaps shift a little bit so that other people hear us, understand and um, can relate a little bit better. Well, as someone that's married to a one, I can vouch <laughs> for not wanting to receive criticism. <laughs> so I can see like so much value in learning how to uh, communicate well, specific to someone's personality type to their number because you do have to approach everybody in the way that they'll have ears to listen that's right I was just thinking yeah how wonderful it would be if everybody had their numbers tattooed on their head <laughs> so that you go into a situation and know exactly how to communicate with that particular type of person mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Well, and, and, and some of these are broader because it, they come from different schools of thought. But if you um, validate somebody's point of view, it, even if you don't agree with it, what if you just say, yeah, I, I understand that. I can see why you, you said or think that or, or, or feel that way. That makes sense to me. And you're not lying about it because it, from their worldview, it makes perfect sense. So though that's kind of a universal. And I use it a lot with my uh, six companion who's kind of uh, sometimes uh, swings back and forth between fear and being, you know, counterphobic. And um, I, I, I say, oh yeah, that, that makes sense. I, I can see why you feel that way. Um, but I, what if, so I use what if, <laughs> And um, so I, and the other thing I'm, I'm really trying to do is to understand that point of view, because I, I, I don't necessarily understand it or share it, but I do know that a worldview isn't wrong. Right. It's, it's just different from mine. And that goes for people who are like, let's say I'm a two and I'm working with other twos and 
Um, it's like sometimes when I'm with sevens, I'm like, oh my God, this person is so excessive, you know? <laughs> so you sort of have to notice that as well. How am I reacting? Oh. The other thing I do want to talk about more are the instincts, especially uh, as they relate to the one that we neglect. Because when we recouped that, um, then uh, we, we sort of are, become more present and embodied. For example, like mine, uh, uh, my blind spot is, is uh, self-pres. And as I started to pay more attention to it, all of a sudden it was like, oh, yeah, you really probably should get more sleep, you know. <laughs> I mean, that one seems like a no-brainer, but if, if you're sort of an adrenaline junkie, it's like, oh, I'll sleep tomorrow or I'll sleep when I'm dead or whatever. <laughs> and it's not, you know, skillful. So um, when we start to recoup those, and then when we understand that our partners especially um, may not have the, the, the same instinctual stack that we do. So there again, their orientation is going to be different. And so then our expectations can shift. Yeah. Hmm. yeah that was, so a, it's a lot. That was a really important <laughs> learning that I had in, in the previous class was mm -hmm. just how, you know, once you understand those instincts, how varied the personality types are, it's more than just nine. It's more yeah. than just your wing. <laughs> it goes like, yes are so deep yeah so that was it was very telling for myself yeah that's something I took away too I mean I it, it is so deep and I'm listening to you talk and I feel like I want to go back and review everything we learned because I feel like even just going over the basics in the beginning like there there's just there is so much information and it's fascinating and um, there is so much depth to it. So I, I'm going to review before I take the advanced class, but I am really excited and we're so grateful that you are back to teach for, with us. And, um, and we have uh, the level one study group beginning on Wednesdays from six to eight, starting uh, October 13th. And then it's going to be ending March 2nd. And then also our advanced class um, and people actually can sign up for this if they have previous experience with mm -hmm. uh, the Enneagram, um, uh, but you have to talk to Lisa about it. And then uh, that begins October 20th and ends on March 23rd. So uh, Lisa, thank you again for taking the time for today. We're excited to be working with you and we're excited to have more Enneagram at Mainspring beginning this fall. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you both so much. I really appreciate it and I appreciate your support and I'm so looking forward to working with Mainspring again. And then you can also sign up for uh, these classes at uh, Mainspring Wellness, pardon me, mainspringfamilywellness.com. Mainspring <laughs>